Conventions. It takes a very steady hand. Conventions. Toys. Star Trek action figures also sold separately. Comics. My spidey sense is tingling. Collectibles. Sold $325. Books. I'm a best-selling author. RPGs. Where the Cheetos? Video games. Grab and peels. Music. Anime. This is the GDV Podcast. Hello and welcome to the G2V Podcast. I'm Scott Woodard and of course I'm joined by my co-host Arnold T. Blumberg. And today we are in the hallowed halls of Stripey Pajama Productions, which is essentially a warehouse in Portland, Oregon. And we are joined by a very special guest, Toby Froud. Now, most of you will probably know Toby. I know, I can see the look on your face. We're going to go there. But you'll, most of you will know Toby as a very wee little baby in, a striped, in striped pajamas in the movie Labyrinth. Isn't that right, Toby? That's correct. I was the, uh, the baby that was thrown around and was upside down and wearing striped pajamas the whole time. You remind me of the babe. What babe? Babe with the power. power? Power of voodoo. You do. Remind me of the babe. Well, you're doing things a little bit differently now, and, and you are still wearing the pajamas, as we can see, but unfortunately our, our listeners cannot. But you, we are right, right now we are on set of a, uh, a short film that you are producing, and it's called Lessons Learned. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something that you co or partially or mostly funded, I understand, with, mm-hmm. through Kickstarter. Yes. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about lessons learned? What was the? Uh, how did this? How did you get inspired to do this? And uh, what, tell us a little bit about the project. Well, it really started as a as a project to do a, a puppet short film with uh, Heather Henson, uh, the youngest daughter of Jim Henson originally, and. Uh, we we got together and she wanted to um as part of her puppet film festival thing she does and her shorts that she puts together um she's part of a collection called uh, handmade puppet dreams uh, she she funds artists to do short films so we got involved and it was great it was a wonderful thing to happen and it was a very freeing cuz she didn't really have anything uh in particular that she wanted from me just apart from a creative piece. So I was able to go away and just sit down and think, well, well what would I like to do? What would, what is going to be the most um, creative thing for me? So I came up with this um, short story, uh, Lessons Learned. And it's, uh, it's about a small boy who goes to his grandfather's house on his birthday and receives a small gift. It's a little wooden box that is presented to him. And the grandfather explains that it is uh, his lessons learnt box. It's uh, the box he carries with him through life that he collects all of the lessons, all of the things he learns, all the trials, tribulations that he goes through as he grows older. They go into there as physical forms, as little representations of what he goes through. So the boy, being curious, asks, well, grandfather, do you have a box? And he goes, of course I do. And we find that it's a trunk in the corner of the room because he's a lot older. And doesn't move around as much. So he has... Like us. <laughs> he has a, the trunk. And the boy gets far too curious and looks inside the trunk and is pulled in. And he goes on an adventure. He actually starts experiencing grandfather's um, own personal lessons in life in a physical form. And is taken through a couple different worlds 
which become more real to him and more challenging in that way. Uh, and he meets some strange, strange characters on his journey um, before being pulled out by the grandfather again, back to safety, and just being told, it's not your time yet. You're not meant to see things yet. You're not old enough. And some things, hopefully, you never will have to. And that's oh, that sounds a great. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the, uh, the, the characters who are involved in the project? Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly we're not talking about a live action project here. No. Uh, we're talking about a puppet mm -hmm. film. Uh, can you describe the puppets, uh, maybe the, the techniques that you're, you're yes. using? Yes. I, uh, well, my family certainly, um, have been involved with the, the Hensons from the, the beginning of Dark Crystal through Labyrinth. And then as I grew up, I, up with these things, these the puppets, the the creative style that was uh, that is Froud, and um, so the puppets that um, I'm creating are my own take on Froud, on my part of me being part of the Froud family, and they are creatures. Um, the main boy character and the grandfather aren't human; they're completely um, hand puppets, foam latex. With cable controls, I'm doing very sort of old school techniques, I feel, um, harking back to Dark Crystal. And uh, it's uh, set in that sort of world, you know, it, out of time, um, everything's everything's sort of more fantasy fairy tale sort of feeling. And with nothing being human, it's a lot easier to get away with more things. One of the things that Scott and I often talk about on the show and off mic is mm -hmm. the fact that we both love productions that deal with practical effects. And there's something organic and real and involving emotionally in seeing that the CGI can't provide. As someone that's continuing a tradition from your own family, but you're adding your own take, you're still relying on that. Why don't you talk a little bit, what is it about practical work, actual real things that provide something for us, even in fantasy, that CGI can't? Absolutely. I, I have always felt that a practical effect or a practical puppet on screen, no matter how small or if it's meant to be a little part of a scene, is so much more valuable to a whole film or a, or a scene than anything else, than CGI is necessarily. You can, you really connect with those characters. People have always stated that the older films and, and certainly, um, puppet films, they connect with you. Uh, you see that character and you know it exists. Um, the person that's operating it breathes life into it. It becomes a living creature or being that is directly relating to the audience. And that's my drive to be able to capture that a little and really just push the practical effects and techniques and just show that, yes, it can still be done. And in a fun way, you know, we will show a few rods. We'll, you know, there'll, there'll be those things that it's not meant to be crisp and clean and, and polished at all. It's, fantasy it's theatrical and it's more direct now you have a great crew of people who are working on this uh production right now oh, yes uh we've we've arnold and i have just been, uh, seen your sets and they're absolutely incredible already yeah. um so where have you drawn some of these folks have you actually been pull pulling from the local portland area or do you have people coming from other parts of the world um no i local portland area has been amazing and the funny thing about the local portland area it consists of locals and also people that have traveled from around the world and settled here. So I have a, a wonderful mixture of people that came from L.A. originally and people that have come from England and from um, from other sides of the country and have settled in Portland now and are part of other productions and things in town, yet 
have found their way to me, which is amazing, you know, to be able to find people that can carve, that can paint, that can sculpt, that can fabricate, that can do all these different things, and even um, just bring them together as one team. Even though their disciplines might not be in the same areas, they're relating extremely well. It's quite uh, a wonderful crew. You were talking a little bit about the story before, too, mm -hmm. and whether it's drawing from a tradition that comes from work your family has done to other productions. There are certain motifs, certain kinds of characters that are common to so many fantasy adventures. Yeah. And I also picked up on the idea that just the very title, there's like a moral streak mm -hmm. through all of this about life and what you learn. Yes. And you said you could have done anything yeah. for this. So what was it that drew you? Do you feel like there's certain things that fantasy provides the opportunity mm -hmm. to deal with actual morality and ethics and these issues? rather than just tell a story. Yeah, absolutely. The The idea that with fantasy and with an audience watching the fantasy, there's this wonderful feeling that I can watch this, it's okay, and they can show me anything, and it's still a fantasy. You can be as moral as you want, and you can do certain things, you can push certain areas, and people are still okay with it, and they'll take that away with them in a good way. Instead of throwing something heavy at them, that's non-fantasy uh, in the real world. This is this is great. This gives you a send. You get into something that's slightly deeper that you can show in a fun way. Um, I drew this f uh, the whole story because I was becoming a father at the time, and my son was born seven months ago. And I'd written the story because I was thinking, well, now I have to pass knowledge on. I have to pass my experiences and teach someone to grow up in a certain way, you know, to be able to respect people, to, to do the right thing, and what is the right thing. And so that's what this came about, is passing knowledge on. I'm wondering, though, if you have the your child wearing the stripy pajamas, though. Are you carrying that on? <laughs> is that a tradition you're going to continue? Absolutely. That uh, that will that will happen. Um, I have already put my son in many different colors of stripes. I'm testing them out, actually, because I think you know, red and white was certainly the 80s. Um, but I'm 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 really getting there with some other colors like red and blue and 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 black and white and you're just really pushing those boundaries. Bold, bold, bold. those colors, yeah, and bright, vibrant, you know, grays and yeah, yes. Well, side note for the <laughs> listeners, uh, he actually is wearing stripes today. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> now, what about the uh, the performers? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I assume you are you've got some puppeteers coming in, or are mm -hmm. going to be working on this this incredible production. Uh, who, who is it? Can you share with us who maybe some of the people you're going to be bringing in, or at least some of their backgrounds? Yes. Um, well, I I mix. I have a mixture of people actually. I have a wonderful dear companion friend who is uh, William Todd Jones, uh, old Henson puppeteer and um, creature performer um, of all sorts from England coming in. And uh, he has been responsible for a lot of different puppets you would have seen on film. And uh, we basically grew up together. Our two families grew up together. And so I've been performing with him doing puppets. I have tap danced as the back end of a cow for him. And uh, we'll... Uh, <laughs> For kids' television, it was a wonderful experience. I'll never forget. And um, it's uh, we—he it, was the perfect choice for me um, as this sort of you know whole whole thing came about for the boy. So he'll be puppeteering the boy character and taking him through his journey. And it really, it was the right choice for me. Um, I then have um, local puppeteers coming in. Um, 
Lance Wallen, who is a wonderful puppet performer from Portland and is uh, known on on the internet for a lot of pieces and throughout uh, all sorts of different areas. And so he will be performing the uh, the grandfather's performance on on the set. And I will have a backup of a multitude of different puppeteers. It's going to take around seven or eight puppeteers to pull this off. Um, at least two puppeteers per character. And uh, so I'm getting puppeteers from everywhere that I can, um, even bringing up a couple from L.A. who will be um, will be joining us, and it's going to be a wonderful experience actually getting different disciplines of puppeteers because some of them are rod puppeteers, some of them are hand puppet puppeteers and, um, and uh, marionette puppeteers. And so bringing them all together on a show that isn't usually done New cable control puppets aren't usually done as much, and it really will be an interesting and wonderful mix. Do you expect to get your uh, your own hands inside a few puppets? I, I might. I might have to. <laughs> um, I I've tried to stay as the director and as and actually distance myself from the performance of the puppets, um, and just be able to have other people come in and, and imbibe these characters for me. But I think I'll probably put my hand in at some point. I, I can feel it happening. I really can. <laughs> what What are we also, anything you can say about vocal work and who's actually playing on the, the voice side mm. of things for this? So um, right now I have uh, the uh, William Todd Jones is going to uh, do the voice for the boy. And I chose... I chose. I wanted an an older voice to to play the boy in in a younger style. I just it felt more like um, I didn't need a child to do it. it. These characters are older to us, and you know, in still in their span, they are like boy and grandfather, but hundreds of years old instead of years old. And uh, right now, yes, I I have a a wonderful storyteller, um, Mark Lewis, who will be performing the uh, voice for the grandfather and uh, coming in and recording his voice. And um, he has a wonderful story sense. He He's he's told beautiful tales for years and is a wonderful performer and really has that warmth that comes in and that, the gruffness that will come into that voice for the grandfather and, and wisdom. That's, that's what I really wanted to find, and he was perfect for it. Do you like movies? Well, let me make you an offer that you can't refuse. Have you ever found yourself standing at the local Cineplex with that smell of freshly buttered popcorn wafting through your nostrils, wondering if that new Hugh Jackman movie is really worth your time? Or have you ever lamented about that time you spent scouring the vast expanse of the internet for movie and DVD release dates when, let's be honest, you'd rather be leveling up your troll hunter, working on the great American novel, or even watching kitten videos? Oh yes, I said kitten videos. I will do the work for you. All I ask is 15 to 30 minutes of your time every Tuesday. My name is Michael Faulkner, and every Tuesday is showtime at the Weekly Potioplex, your audio guide to what's new at the box office, how the top 10 fared over the weekend, and what's coming to your home theater on DVD and Blu-ray. You can find the Weekly Potioplex on the Chronic Rift Network at www.chronicrift.com, along with a plethora of other podcasts that explore the culture in pop culture. The Weekly Potioplex, brought to you by the Chronic Rift. Thanks for listening. We'll see you at the theater. That's a wrap!
And uh, another thing that you're doing is you are having uh, some custom music done as well, yes. I, I assume. Yeah. Um, can you share with us any information about that? Yes. Uh, I'm actually doing a uh, – uh, the music is coming from England again. Uh, it is Lillian Todd Jones. is actually William Todd Jones' daughter. Um, she and her, her partner Gordon will be uh, – Gordon Mills will be creating the score and also a song for the whole piece. I've heard the the rough track for it. It's absolutely amazing. And uh, we, I wanted to have the score and the song be a part of this film in a big way. And she is very up and coming. She's um, been doing the festival circuit in this, this summer in England and playing all over the place. Um, and she's really breaking out. Um, together they are breaking out as a wonderful duo uh, with beautiful music and lyrics. And they create their own. Yeah, I highly recommend uh, go on YouTube. We actually we can put the links on our, our show notes. Mm. Uh, there are there's at least one or two yes. music videos, if yes, I'm not are. mistaken. Yeah, and uh, they're fantastic videos yeah. to begin with. But yeah. also the the songs are really wonderful. You'll love them. Besides the opportunity to just do this piece in and of itself, mm. is it something that you foresee? Best case scenario, for instance, are you building something that you would like to potentially build more of that world, explore more of that, or are you someone that's more interested in? Every new project is a new opportunity to try something different and new. Um, I would love the, the the ideal scenario is that from this we carry on. We do more. We do bigger. And in different ways, in different projects as well, different um, media, different formats, different styles as well. I, I wouldn't be set to this. I would always, I would love to continue and do more Froudian characters and, and adventures but i would also love to do other stories um other other genres um and and really it's more important about bringing the creativity of a crew together uh, to form something that is you know that harks back to something old in a new way the old feeling of how to how you can work and get something done in a wonderful new world and would you also like to maybe get stripey pajamas to the point where it's uh, uh, sort of its own production company and you can continue to churn out those products and you maybe have a, a effectively a production team that you can always default to, like the old Henson's uh, style? Absolutely, yes. I, uh, that's the one of the side goals of this was to actually start bringing a, a beginning crew together, you know, to start working with these amazing people and and just go, all right. Yeah, let's carry on. Let's create Stripey Pajamas as a production company to to build, to to be able to produce, to be able to write, to be able to create, build, and distribute, and all sorts. Just create the whole thing and go with it and take it to the world and see what happens. I just like to say, because one thing that, that well, obviously you guys both know is that Scott has a great deal of background with working on a lot of these things. You do too. Mm -hmm. As far as actually being physically present for the production any, of anything, I'm a complete novice. I'm someone <laughs> that's certainly a fan of cinema and fantasy and all these things. But for me, it's been limited entirely to seeing something behind the scenes on DVD. Mm -hmm. So actually, not only to get the opportunity to do this, and I know this sounds really hypey, but it happens to be true. <laughs> but to actually see just the sculpting and the sets that you show, showed us before, it's just absolutely beautiful stuff to see up close and personal, yeah. it looks as effective and as involving as you would expect it to look on the screen. Yeah. So it's just beautiful looking work. And it's nice Thank to you. see that, like we've been talking about before, it's just nice to see that there's still opportunities here where you can demonstrate that you can do these things physically and real yeah. 
and still create the illusion of fantasy. It doesn't all have... I mean, we maybe spend a little too much time dissing CGI. But, <laughs> but it's it's beautiful. It has its place. It really does it have its place. It has its place. It is wonderful when they when they get yeah. it right. Oh, it's fantastic. But but the yeah. the the artwork and the the craftsmanship is something that just seems like yeah. it comes alive when it's actually in your hands. And it's, it was just nice for me to actually see it in person too. Absolutely. And uh, the same for me is when, whenever I see get to see something or I'm on a set or behind the scenes it's just amazing to see this this thing form in front of you. It's physical. It's right there. And then also see the pile of trash under the side that you'll <laughs> never see on screen. And it's great. Yeah. It's magic. <laughs> uh, going back to, uh, and just, just for uh, the listeners so they have a little point of reference, uh, you, you were talking about William Todd Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, he was uh, did all the Woola stuff, right, for... Um, uh, uh, John Carter. Mm-hmm. He did, uh, amongst yes. other things that he's done. I mean, yeah. I mean obviously, and I think he did some of the also uh, the was, choreographer for the choreography for the uh, the film with the absolutely uh, uh, he, Martians the green for the Martians. Martians yeah. Yes, he was the stilt coordinator. Uh, he got everyone up on stilts and was running around the desert with them. It was uh, it was impressive work. It really was, uh, and a lot of fun as well as painful. <laughs> uh, yes, no, he's done he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. he's great. Yeah, um, I, I, I have nothing else. I'm <laughs> I'm in awe of the work, and I'm looking forward to seeing the finished product. And actually, what what is your schedule right now? Do you know when, yes, when you're shooting uh, for things wrapping up and when we can see this? Actually, uh, yes. Um, the wrap of the whole thing, um, sort of packaged off, is going to be in February of next year. It's a it's a tight schedule, and we are actually filming in November. Um, it's coming up very quickly, and uh, but I have a wonderful team behind me, and we will pull it off. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one other thing I did want to touch on was the the, the Kickstarter pro- mm. process. Um, a lot of people are obviously aware of Kickstarter, yeah. but how did it work for you? And um, how quickly were you funded? Because uh, <laughs> I certainly was paying close attention to it, and it was pretty amazing. So tell us a little it about. It was that. amazing, and I have I had never experienced Kickstarter. I I'd sort of funded a few things, or you know, helped, um, and then to actually be at the other side of it, and you you build your campaign, and and it. You take your time and you think, okay, well, I have no idea. And that's the thing that people always say is you don't know whether it's going to go or not or what's going to happen. And it's it's a weird feeling. You put this out into the world and you go, okay, here we go. <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh, people start responding to you. And, and not only through funding, through, you know, pledging to you, there's amazing amounts and, and you reach your goal or anything. But it's it's through Facebook, through social media sites, um, giving you feedback, giving you comments, um, saying how wonderful it is. You, you create, um, an audience. You, you get, you get people coming back at you, you know, saying, well, this is amazing. What, what's going on? And you've got to then keep up with it. You have to, I found this like, okay, this is serious. I've got to just keep pedaling forward and go, okay, well, I, I respond to this and respond to this and tried. I, I tried to, Make sure that I kept on top of it. I, I slipped, certainly I did. <laughs> I'm terrible at social media, but it's absolutely amazing. It was a huge journey. And then we reached our goal in five days. Five days, yeah. And then I still had a, weeks to go. And it was like, <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> and then we'll carry on and do more. And it was exciting. And it, it happened really fast. And of course, right in the middle of it, you went off to England. <laughs> yes. I was traveling at the time. So it was kind of a good thing and kind of a terrible thing. It was like different time zones and trying to keep up with what's happening day to day. It was amazing. That brings something to my mind too about what I was just saying about 
the disconnect that used to exist between audience and creator with so many things and with social media and Kickstarter and, and all of this, so many of these barriers have melted away completely. Yeah. But it also adds an additional level of involvement from the audience that obviously is like a yeah. level of responsibility for you. They're waiting <laughs> to hear what's next. If you're the sort of person, and I don't know if you are personally, that would prefer to like, okay, now I'm going to do this. Now I go away and I will create this thing mm -hmm. and I'll be back. And I'll show you the finished product. You can't yeah. do that anymore. No. They're expecting, what's the new puppet look like? Right. What's the set look like? Does that affect the creative process to some extent or to a it, great extent? It does. I mean, it's a good thing for me because I am, I am, I will safely say I'm the worst communicator in the world. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that. You're like, doing okay right now. I know. <laughs> like, right now I'm fine because I'm able to talk. But in email, no. No way. And, and so I've, I learned quickly to try and do that and i'm still keeping up i mean my posts and everything have been far and few between but it is a responsibility as soon as you have your audience it is an audience and it's amazing to have them be a part of it and to to really get them involved and that's that's the best part about it that's why you do a film that's why you create anything is to really have some you know this audience and people behind you and and be with you and what you do so to keep them with you is really important, um, and I'm trying. I'm really trying. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it creates a whole other level of things, and, and what you do is like, okay, so I I've done this, and I'm you know you you get to a puppet to a certain point, and you go, okay, well I need to photograph that. I need to, I need to send it out there. I need to make sure they know about this, um, and then it's taking photographs or it's logging something that you know you would just do or you you would know, have happen. And you would come back and it's done. And you're just like, no, wait, 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 wait. We need to show it. We need to do this. And and then also picking what I want to present the audience as a final product. There are certain things that I, I don't want to show the audience until it's done. I don't want to. And they'll see it afterwards. They'll see behind the scenes afterwards. But you want to keep some of the mystery of what's going to happen in the story and uh, the sets that are going to be happening or the puppets that are going to appear just to keep that that sort of mystery or the you know you're as an audience member you want to go on the journey you necessarily don't want to know everything and yet you still want to be involved so it's a fine line and is there any are you actually keeping in touch with uh with your your supporters are you updating kickstarter even to this day or mm -hmm. are you sort of quietly um is there a place that somebody can go right now and find out how the pro the well uh yes the i go on well to toby froud's facebook page my <laughs> facebook page um we do do updates on that um but there haven't been for a while and that's really purely because we've been working so hard and then i get home at night and i i go to sleep but <laughs> <laughs> i really shouldn't um so yeah it's uh it, i haven't updated for a while unfortunately but i will be again and it will be a big one because it will be showing more and more of the sets um a few more puppets and uh yes i I want to show the audience as much as I can, but um, I, I tend to go, oh, I've gone away a little, but I am still working furiously, as you've seen. Now, once the project is done, um, how will people be able to see it? Uh, the project will actually, the film, finished film will be sent uh, to as many film festivals as possible. And, um, and we will also, it'll be part of Heather Henson's uh, Handmade Puppet Dreams collection, which she does present um, in different cities around the U.S. Uh, it'll also hopefully be available in some other media forms. That is to be determined. Um, I did do, for the Kickstarter, there are DVDs and Blu-rays. I'm hoping to be able to work out to do that more to a wider audience once it's done. Um, and that's still to be worked out. 
we can hope for the best. Well, we certainly look forward to seeing everything. I, I think it's been a real pleasure just to be able to see something like this coming together. Now, also, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's just a pleasure to see that people are continuing to pursue these kind of projects. Mm. And you can bring it to an audience that can support it and make them come alive. Maybe it doesn't happen necessarily with larger studios as much anymore, but who knows, maybe this will be rediscovered. People see the kind of final product that can come out of it. So I certainly wish you all the luck in the world for this coming together. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, and thanks for sitting down with us and talking about lessons learned, Toby. Thank you very much for being here. It's great. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the G2B Podcast, part of the Chronic Rift Network at chronicrift.com. Visit our official website at g2vpodcast.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Join our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter at g2vpodcast. And you can always email us at contact at g2vpodcast.com. Our show music is by Brian Boyko and Kevin McLeod. Did you say it? <laughs>